0: My racing career isn't just about me. It's about the team, the fans, the sponsors, the families, the tracks, the whole sport. Join us over the next five months on the Junior Nation Appreciation Tour, where we show appreciation to where it's owed. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. happy for dad after it was over and he had won, but I don't like to finish second. This is the Daytona 500,
1: isn't it? Thank God! It's an accomplishment that we'll not forget. There's a lot of satisfaction in winning the championship. Jeff Gordon out of turn number four. He will lay claim to his first ever Winston Cup victory, and it comes in the Coca-Cola 600. Rick Hendrick, I hope I'm with you for a long time.
2: At the end of the day, you still want to see a lot of people in those stands.
3: I am history. (laughs) You know, Back in the day, with Steve Richards and Ron Lemasters.
4: NASCAR history is a rich tapestry of speed, personality, and great racing. Here at Back in the Day, we celebrate that history by keeping it alive, just like Dale Earnhardt Jr. did on the original TV show. We'll take important dates, races, and trends in NASCAR and pass them along to you. Here comes Back in the Day from the Exalta studio inside Junior Motorsports.
3: Bristol Motor Speedway might be small in stature, but it looms large in the hearts of NASCAR fans. For such a small track, all .533 miles of it, it packs a big punch when it comes to action, and 1999 was the year that it boiled over. That was the year that it truly became the last great coliseum. When it was built, it was a typical high banked asphalt oval, Perhaps not typical, since it was banked at 36 degrees, but conventional enough. What it produced over the years since has been awesome. Cut and thrust, bump and run, root and gouge.
0: Not many drivers like this race, which is why so many fans like it. You're pretty much at the mercy of whatever happens. You run
3: flat
4: over
1: me, the that stupid prima donna. Hey everybody, it's Bristol, they're fighting! My dad!
3: It's all part of, it's Bristol, baby. The Earnhardt family's had an affinity for the place since 1979 when Dale Earnhardt Sr. won the first of his nine races at BMS driving Rod Osterlund's number two. Dale Jr. brought the family total to 10 with his victory in the night race in 2004, leading 295 laps, including the last 85, for his only triumph there to date.
0: I'm just really, really, really glad that I won tonight because... This is like the Daytona 500. This is like when at Charlotte would be. This is like the win in Atlanta. These are are the tracks, the historic tracks that have been around for years that that are on the top of my list to win it.
3: He has one more shot at it before hanging up his helmet as a full-time driver in November. Why is Bristol such an attraction? It's easy, it's a by God Coliseum. You get thumbs up or thumbs down every time you race there, just like those poor sods in Rome way back in the day. The good part is you're not likely to be eaten by lions or some such thing, unless you happen to crash Dale Jr. in his final race there. In all seriousness, it is jet planes at a gymnasium at Bristol, with 40 cars buzzing and banging and beating on each other for 500 laps. The crowds at Bristol were the stuff of legend for many, many years. Waiting lists for tickets years in advance, and even custody battles and divorces hinged on who got the night race ticket package. It is a specially historic place in a world of glass, chrome, and concrete, a modern day masterpiece that races old school. That's why winning the night race is so special. One night near the turn of the century, however, it took on a whole new meaning, and that was the 1999 event. You remember it when Dale Sr. and Terry Labonte were dueling on the final lap.
1: Terry Labonte noses to the point in turn one. Terry Labonte takes the lead. Here comes
4: Earnhardt.
5: He hits Labonte. Labonte spins in turn two. Ricky Rudd crashes into him. Tony Stewart crashes into him. Earnhardt heads back into turn out of turn number four, Dale Earnhardt will win the Goodies Headache Potters 500.
1: Dale, it was a big race out there. Tell me those last few laps in your words, what happened? We had old tires on, and I didn't know who got tires, and all of a sudden, here comes Terry up. And we rubbed a little in three and four, and I was going to rub him back down in one, and I got in got in, got in, got to the bumper, and, and I hit him harder than I really thought I could. Maybe he checked up a little more, but didn't really mean to turn him around. I meant to shake him more and get back under him, but, uh, you know, we, it, he spun him out.
5: I, I don't know what he was thinking, and... Uh, so then we got new tires and uh, came back and, and passed the guys. And, and uh, you know, Dar- uh, Dale gave me a shot down in the corner and turned us around. Uh,
4: so if that wins. Terry, Dale said in victory lane that he didn't mean to spin you out, he just meant to nudge you.
5: Have you ever heard him say he means to spin anybody out?
1: <laughs> so can a guy win a race by spinning a guy out on the last lap? Is that legal?
5: It depends who it is. And, uh, you know, and. Uh, and- this circumstances uh is a big thumbs up for it i'm sure
1: to come to what it did and him not finish second was was the only thing that i hated about the whole deal and i thought back about i wished he hadn't you know wrecked i mean you know i wished it would have been a deal we'd have bumped and got by him and 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 raced on
5: i thought we had a good chance to win it the first time the caution flag came out and i got spun out under the caution and so we came in and got four new tires and most everybody stayed out so we were able to uh, come back through there pretty good and then i thought we had a chance to win it again and then we didn't but uh, you know hey that's just the way it goes and we'll try to win uh, win another one here <laughs> we find each other He's, does he find me I'm, I'm not sure okay
3: i don't know i mean what well, it's been pretty dramatic with uh, a lot of people's wins but i don't know i just stir up controversy don't i, <laughs> I don't know if i search it out or what that finish between Dale Earnhardt and Terry Labani is probably the most remembered finish at Bristol, and it made the night race the ticket to have. You know, back in 1999, it still resonates to this day. What else was going on in 1999? Step into the time machine with me and let's find out.
2: In February, President Bill Clinton... I want to say again to the American people, how profoundly sorry I am for what I said and did to trigger these events.
3: ...was acquitted in his impeachment trial.
2: In March, the
3: stock market closed above the 10,000-point mark for the first time ever. This year, it's pushed to beyond 22,000 points. Jolton Joe, Jolt Joe DiMaggio led a list of the famous who passed on in 1999, and that list included director Stanley Kubrick, Baltimore Orioles manager, Cal Ripken Sr. I'm gonna make him an offer
4: he can't refuse.
3: And the Godfather author, Mario Puzo, got an offer even he could not refuse. Also, this guy, Senor Wences. Senor Wences, the great ventriloquist.
1: Ready, my friend? no, oh, no. Not yet. No. No, okay? It's all right. All right
4: good. John Elway, I've just been informed, is officially This game's most valuable player.
3: The Denver Broncos won their second straight Super Bowl, beating the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Braves got tomahawk chopped by the Yankees in the World Series. And Jeff Gordon topped the Daytona 500 that season.
0: It's a sweet victory when you can race with Dale Earnhardt right down the finish, no matter where you're at, but especially in the Daytona 500.
3: That gets us back to Bristol. Behind the Daytona 500 in the winner-take-all finale at Homestead, there's probably no more important race than the Bristol night race. Not only does it get a lot of attention, it means something to win there, just like it means a lot with the new playoff format. Let's bring in Steve Richards, longtime broadcaster and pit reporter for the Performance Racing Network, as well as the producer of Back in the Day. Is the Bristol Night Race your favorite race of the season?
4: Oh, absolutely. I look forward to it every year. Thank goodness, uh, Performance Racing Network, we we get to broadcast that fiasco almost every year, and obviously some uh, are more memorable than others. We talked about 1999. But uh, there have been several others as well. What what comes to your mind when you think of uh, Bristol Motor Speedway?
3: Oh, the the bump and run with Rusty and Dale. Sure, uh, Jeff Gordon doing the bump and run to Rusty Wallace. And not only 1999
4: memorable Ron, but 1995 again between Earnhardt and Labonte. Earnhardt tried the bump and run, but it was too late. Labonte's car sliding across the finish line, crashing, and him going to uh, to victory lane was uh, was just as memorable.
3: Yeah, you needed gloves to, to get in there because it was smoking so bad. Yeah, his car was smoking Right.
4: all the way to victory lane. And um, Rusty Wallace was mad at Dale Earnhardt because Earnhardt had dumped Rusty 30 laps into the race. And Rusty had that entire race to, uh, you know, to think about it. And right. post-race, Rusty went to get Dale's attention, couldn't get Dale's attention. And so uh, he threw a, a water bottle at Dale Earnhardt.
5: Hey, he didn't mean to do that. Hey,
1: he didn't mean to do it, Tony. What not do it.
4: No, I can trust to him. We're hey, friends. Hey. Go talk to down
1: here. I ain't forgetting to tell I'm hey. not forgetting hey. Don't forget nothing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and those two were friends. Can you imagine if they'd been enemies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was kind of the way the game was played. Nowadays, everybody goes and gets their PR person and has them do it.
4: Oh, you do?
1: Well, at least that's the way it was explained to me. <laughs> I kept saying, Dale, Dale, he wouldn't listen to me. So I had a water bottle in my hand, and I threw it, and my gosh, I never thought I had that good of aim. <laughs> but I hit him right between the eyes. It was remember fantastic. That <laughs> I like that one.
3: <laughs> what is it, the old thing, if you're going to shoot at the king, make sure you don't miss? Exactly. <clears throat> it wasn't exactly the king, but I, I don't think
5: you'd want to throw a water bottle at Dale.
4: Yeah, no, Terry Labonte definitely remembered that one.
5: Well, there was nowhere to go, and uh, those guys were running side by side, and it was only a one-groove racetrack, and, you know, there wasn't nowhere to go, and... Uh, we wrecked. As we
4: usually did.
3: Uh, yeah, and that, that happened more than once in mm-hmm. those days. Yeah, yeah. If you get off the bottom, you were went from the penthouse to the outhouse.
4: Well, you mentioned uh, the bump and run. I mean, Jeff Gordon perfected that against Rusty Wallace. It happened to him several different times. And there was one night that, that summed up everything that Bristol was all about. And uh, Jimmy Johnson got mad at Robbie Gordon. Uh, Ward Burton got agitated at Dale Jr. He threw his heat shields at Jr., one night, Elliot Sadler got so angry, he uh, punched the side of an ambulance, and Jeff Gordon bumped Rusty Wallace out of the way to win.
1: Now Gordon taps Wallace again. Wallace up the racetrack, and Jeff Gordon is taking the lead. I know. It was identical in the same situation, too. Come down to the closing laps. I got to him and you know moved him out of the way, and uh, I won that thing
0: really bad, and I know he did, too. and. It was a great race, great battle. Yeah,
1: we came up behind me, and I knew he was going to get into me. I was going to—I was just hoping it wasn't going to happen. There were that, that 25 car was just crowding us too much. and got everything compacted as a problem. Jeff Gordon will look at the white flag when he comes to the stripe this time. Rusty Wallace, a single car length behind. Gordon wants to break the winless streak. They're back into one. Rusty Wallace trying to track down Jeff Gordon. Less than a car length separation.
5: Off of turn two, Gordon with a smooth line. Some two car length separation in three. Rusty
4: will not be able to reach him. He works through turn. Turn three. Now, here's Gordon out of turn number four. His 0
5: for 31 streak of not winning on the Winston Cup Series is over. Jeff Gordon has won the Sharpie 500 here at the Bristol Motor Speedway. What a run for Gordon at the end as he and Rusty Wallace get together with two laps to go, and Gordon again comes out on the winning end. <laughs>
1: Well, we've been in that position before, and it's gone both ways at times. So I feel confident about our friendship and our business relationship on the track that, you know, we're going to race one another as hard as we possibly can. And I had an opportunity to get past him, and I took advantage of it.
4: So Rusty goes 0 for 2 right. against Jeff.
3: Right. Well, a lot of people went 0 for against Jeff.
4: Yeah, you know, they did. They especially did. Especially
3: about then. Yeah, And, yeah. you know, look, if you're going to put them on a track that has no room, you get, at that time, 43 cars on it. hmm I mean, that you can't really hardly turn without tripping into somebody.
4: And that was 2002. So right. after what happened in 95 and 99, it just continued.
3: Right. And Gordon had had some really, really fast cars there mm-hmm. and never made it past the 200-lap mark because he uh, got clipped by Jimmy Spencer one night and... Uh, you know, just basically destroyed the car. couldn't Couldn't fix. He got back out mm-hmm. to uh, accumulate those valuable Winston Cup points. That's right. They're always valuable. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Winning at Bristol even once kind of validates you as a driver. It validates. It punches your man card for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I mean, that's not an easy place to win. No, no. You know, if you win there, you're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's a Dale Junior quote. I'm not. Yeah. Pencil. I'm just yeah. quoting the boss. So. That's why guys like Waltrip and uh, Earnhardt's and Petty's, those guys are always one there, and you don't find a lot of one-off winners at Bristol. And so. it continued in 2008. Carl Edwards and
4: Kyle Busch, uh, what started off on the racetrack, carried over to the cool-down lap, and even over the public address system. Carl Edwards bumping Kyle Busch out of the way to grab the lead with 30 laps to go, and Bush bumping Edwards after the race. Then Edwards spun Bush. He did his backflip, of course, like he does uh, after he gets out of the car. The two drivers proceeded to trade verbal shots in interviews. Bush calling Edwards Mr. Ed.
3: Do you remember yeah, that? yeah I all do. teeth. Yep. Mm-hmm.
4: Edwards called it paid back for a nationwide race in Richmond, and the crowd just uh, kind of ate that one up.
0: He hit me getting into turn one, which got me a little bit loose, chattered the rear tires, but... You know whatever that's uh, you know carl's gonna say sorry he didn't want to race that way because he always does you know mr ed likes so we'll take it we'll go on and um you know we'll race him that way in a chase if that's the way he wants to race i've never been likened to a horse but that's cool um, <laughs> but here's the deal i'm not apologizing if i had it to do over again i might just hit him harder you know um the deal is is he knows exactly why i hit him because he's done it to me before so um, that's fine if, if he wants to feel that way that's totally understandable. If uh, if I'd have been in the other position, I wouldn't have been very happy about it. So we'll just move on. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely not apologizing. He knows why I did
4: it. I miss Carl Edwards.
3: Me too. You, you know, know he, interestingly enough, he he's enough not like the other troublemakers. Uh-huh. I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. But he's he's very smart and he's pretty witty as, as it goes on. Kyle Busch is is that way too. Mm-hmm. Trouble is with him, it just kind of comes off a little pouty. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've never seen Carl pout. He's always been positive. Now, the one time I I take that back, the one time when he put Keselowski on his roof at Atlanta, he was just mad. Yeah, that was retaliation. Yes, and it was, and he should. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, and and then that got the entire Keselowski fan club all... uh, Riled up. Riled up, there you go, yeah. Riled up, yeah. And, uh, you know, but Carl, I I do miss Carl. I I wonder if there's more to him getting out than what was put out when he stepped out of the 19 car. I don't know.
4: I I don't really think so.
3: I mean, it's just what, well,
4: conspiracy theorist that I am. Yeah. Now, the following year in 2009, we had a great race. Kyle Bush outdueling Mark Martin. But, uh, Ron, that was a clean battle and not one of those. Uh, in-your-face kind of deals.
0: Mark Martin, such an honorable race car driver to race with, and, um, you know, he deserved to win this race. Just, uh, man, I, I tried so hard to get away from him, and I couldn't quite get away from him. But, you know, we raced side-by-side side there, hopefully to, to the pleasure of the fans, and, uh, you know, we ended up pulling it out. So uh, it reminded me a little bit of Jeff Burton here about
1: four years ago. It was cool. When you guys watch that race, you don't know how over my head that I am to be there. You know, if it was so easy, I would have passed him. But I was over my head just being there. Dick Trickle told me in 1977, in order to finish first, first you must finish. And I almost didn't finish. <laughs> I was so close to losing control of my car when I got on the inside of him. And I, y'all can't see that. And I guess you have a hard time grasping that if I could have, I would have passed him. But I couldn't. And I was also so out of control that if we'd have touched, I'd have wrecked too because I was I didn't have control of my car so if I'd have thought well I'll just go up there and rub him out well I'd have wrecked I was already just about to wreck you guys can't see that but I was I was right here I was just about gone you know and so was Kyle I mean he's doing everything he could so man I'm sorry that I didn't win but I tried hard I tried really hard. hard, and I know it's ten. Po- I know it's points. It's it's, but it and it's a trophy, and it's everything else. It's another. It's a win. But that's all I had in that little sixteen seconds that I had. Now, if you'd have gave me twenty laps, I might have could have got it done. But in that sixteen second span that I had to get it done, that was all I had. And Mark's very honest about what he does, mm-hmm. and he would not
3: park you unless you did him dirt. Right, and then he'd get you, and you wouldn't even know it. But, you know, Mark Martin taught a lot of people a lot of things. He could teach a lot of people in the Xfinity Series, I'm thinking about, how to race close with people. Right, right. Now, in 2010, Bristol was memorable,
4: but not for a bump and run, not for a fight or anything controversial. Well, maybe controversial. Kyle Busch won the truck race, won the nationwide race, and won the cup race. Swept the entire weekend at Bristol. Here he is with Jim Noble on PRN in Victory Lane.
3: Kyle Bush is standing here with a broom in his hand, indicative of the first three race sweep in NASCAR history. He drives a double mint car, but he tripled his pleasure tonight. What is going through your mind after the last five days?
0: Ah, man, this is awesome. I can't say enough about this team. Joe Gibbs Racing and uh, this double mint Camry was awesome tonight. You know, we had a great race car. We showed it coming up through the field and passing those guys and having a great battle to get up there. And, uh, man, it's just so fun to come out to Bristol and race here and, of course, be the first in NASCAR history to win three races in a weekend. I mean, I've been trying to do this my whole career since I got to NASCAR. And, uh, man, it, it comes true today, so that's pretty awesome. This is history, and I'm real proud to make it. But, uh, you know, I couldn't do it without this
3: team. You've had many, many high moments in a relatively brief career. Where does this
5: rank?
0: This is pretty cool, man. This is right up there. I mean, Bristol Night Race, you win here in front of so many fans and in front of so many sponsors and so many people that, uh, you know, your dreams come true at this place. And so uh, for me, you know, this is right up on the top of the list. I, I don't know. It hasn't quite sunk in yet. It might be bigger than my Vegas win, so uh, that's what I feel like is my biggest win in my career. It's almost like winning Daytona at my hometown. Kyle Busch,
3: congratulations. You got it, man. Thanks. All right, Kyle Busch, folks, you just witnessed history here in Bristol. Dynamite drop in there, Jim. (laughs) Double, Double, triple. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jim's a good announcer. Yeah. Know, that, that's really, you know, and, and I can't think like that. I can write like that. I can't think like that <laughs> So and and say it. Obviously, if you've listened to our podcast, you know this. <laughs> but, you know, Bristol does have a lot of history, and, and it's very tough to do. You know, he mentioned, Mark Martin mentioned 16-second laps. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's closer to 15, mm-hmm. and, you know, you there's no time. We did a simulator ride with Richard Petty, and this was back in one of the big, you know, semi-truck driven simulators right and you just there's no time to do anything yeah. you just go turn 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 you know <laughs> that's pretty much it mm-hmm. line specific yeah correct just don't hit the wall that's pretty much what you're doing yeah and, yeah you know and, and you mentioned fights a little bit ago i think my favorite fight at bristol during a night race tony stewart's high inside fastball to the grill of matt kenseth's car at uh at the end of Pitt Road.
4: Yeah, that was 2012.
0: We got by Matt there and probably wasn't the ideal pass, but we uh, made sure and tried the same thing. I mean, we we ran on the restart and we're faster than him each lap, so uh, just learned our lesson to just, next time we'll just drive through him and not even be patient behind him, we're not going to give him that chance again.
3: I'm slightly confused because I just did the same thing to him, he just did to me 10 seconds before that in turn one. He caught me, didn't even give me a chance, didn't, didn't even try to pass me, just ran me straight off the racetrack. So. I got a run and did the same thing to him. I had to lift in one and two or we were going to wreck and I did the same thing to him in three and four and he didn't lift and we wrecked and I guess it's my fault. So him and I, we've always got along really good. We had a couple conflicts early in our careers and, and for the last six or seven or eight years everything's been cool and I don't know why but this year uh, uh, ran me off the track at Sears Point, cost us a top ten and knocked my side off at Indy and put us in position uh, to get wrecked at the end of that race and uh, I tried to talk to him after Indy a little bit and just said I'm, gonna, you know, I'm not... I'm not gonna go after you. I'm not gonna do anything different, but I'm gonna race you however you want to race me. And and for some reason he still chooses to run me off the racetrack. So I'm just uh, I'm only gonna I'm only gonna be ran off the racetrack so many times. That's uh, probably as much many words as I've ever heard Matt Kenseth say in a row.
4: Yeah, yeah. You know he wasn't too happy.
3: Well, Bristol will bring that out in you. You know, it's a bullring. You know, going back to the last great Coliseum. You know, Burton Smith is a master marketer mm-hmm. and um, hype guy. And, and, and it's really true. He's made the racing, or he and NASCAR have combined to make that a place where that happens. And
4: Matt wasn't surprised that Tony threw the helmet at his car. No, not really. I was kind of expecting it. And Tony said afterwards, he said he doesn't even care if he gets the helmet back. I don't give a crap. <laughs>
0: Hell with a helmet.
3: <laughs> that's, that's quintessential smoke right there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, uh, well, you know, God love him. He's got passion, and that's worth something, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Marty Smith from ESPN asked... uh jimmy johnson if he got to see tony's uh, helmet toss
0: no i didn't i saw him lingering kind of waiting <laughs> with his gear i figured something was gonna happen
5: it was pretty epic
0: i, I heard he had a, a good toss on it
5: it was full-blown strasburg man i, I know
0: was... he impressed our our crew i mean they were all talking about what they like, say
3: they said he had an arm on him he had a, a good throw and hit it dead center <laughs> hit <up> the hood <laughs> it was pretty good yeah, that's more uh, that's blind squirrel finding an acorn. Yeah, right there. I think so too. I think not, so too. Nothing against smoke, but he's not a baseball player, and he didn't get the name because of his fastball. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, you know, it just it's sort of it's the place where where you can let it all hang out, and mm-hmm. people do, and that, I think that's why fans love it so much.
4: Well, Brad Keselowski it was memorable, memorable for him the year before he won his first Bristol night race there, and then 2014. Logano beat Kozlowski, and then Harvick wrecked Hamlin. Do you remember that one?
3: Yes. That was a cluster.
0: I was just so mad. i I'm trying to think when I've been that mad in the past, but maybe never. But I think I know Kevin pretty well. I, he's not going to just take someone out early in the race, and I've got no problems with Kevin. I uh, really don't. So I, I think it was just a misjudge, just trying too hard too early. Both of us had really fast cars. Uh, you know, These short tracks is all about patience, and, and you got to show patience.
3: How do you show Patience. At Bristol. You can't really because you well, you're so caught up in the moment you're not thinking three hundred laps ahead. Mm-hmm. You know. And I gotta get by this guy now, it's track position, I'm pitted on the back stretch, you know, etcetera, etcetera. So you just you're basically right there on somebody. It's like it's like driving down I seventy seven here in Charlotte. Yeah. You have to have patience. And you can't really punt anybody. Well, well you can. You can, but, <laughs> but you might get in trouble. That's right. <laughs> That's right.
4: <laughs> Last year Another memorable Bristol night race finish. Kevin Harvick wins the race. Tony Stewart, his last Bristol race, wins his car owner. And they both did donuts on the front stretch together.
5: Tony Stewart making his last appearance here at the Bristol Motor Speedway as a Sprint Cup Series driver. And Kevin Harvick, of course, is uh, not only... You know, his teammate, but they're close friends. And so both he and Tony now are doing burnouts here at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway.
2: A dueling burnouts at Bristol Motor Speedway for Kevin Harvick and Tony Stewart. Not <laughs> something you normally see. It's kind of fun to watch.
3: Well, smoke usually goes for other kinds of donuts. but uh, <laughs> uh, He's going to listen to this, and I'm going to get a phone call. Uh huh. Or somebody ki- somebody kicking the windows out of my motorhome. <laughs> no, it, and Tony's a good guy, and I, I don't blame him for that. He's, he's put a lot of years into this, a lot of money. He's taking a lot of money out, too, which is good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look, I mean, he's a he's a bona fide hero, you know, so he can do pretty much what he wants. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Dale Jr. if he did donuts everywhere.
4: <laughs> Harvick talked about that after the race in the media center. Yeah, that really wasn't
0: what I had planned, but I learned that Tony and I aren't very good at sign language between each other from one, one seat to the other. <laughs> and it evolved into the burnouts which was pretty cool so yeah that was pretty neat to be able to win a race and and convince him to actually come out on the front straightaway and and do a burnout and he actually did it was was pretty neat so hopefully uh that was pretty cool for the fans and and to see him happy and smiling and, and having fun and, and doing the burnout was was pretty cool so um i've been wanting to i've been wanting to do something like that with tony we just hadn't hadn't won a race yet. And, uh, to do it so when they were stopping to check all the lug nuts on the back straightaway i was not leaving the side of that 14 car he was not going to get out of doing something after we won he was going to participate some way shape or form even if i had to pull him out of the
3: car but you know tony might have already slipped into owner mode i don't want to burn this engine down and those tires i mean i you know i could get money for those and no I, he's he's like any other racer and harvick's the same way mm-hmm. you win you're going to celebrate by golly you're going to get all you can
4: my final thought about the night race at bristol more than likely you're going to see history at Bristol so don't leave early if your driver crashes out or is not doing so well don't leave because there's a good bet you're going to see something really cool no matter who's involved
3: you might not only see that but you're not going to beat the traffic anyway no and you've already paid for your ticket I hear the music I hear the music yeah we're done we're done oh my goodness we're almost done we're almost done we still have prizes to give away Yes, we do. You're right. Well, we were done with the cuts and stuff like that. Yeah. Now we're just going to go get our butts kicked. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Time for buzz. Time for buzz. (laughs) This week's featured segment, as always, is called Beat the Buzzer. It's very simple. We've managed to entice NASCAR Hall of Fame historian Buzz McKim to join us each week for this segment. And as if that isn't enough, our listeners can win prizes, too. Prizes again? Prizes again. Wow. We're a full-service podcast here.
2: We love prizes. That's
3: right buzz welcome to back in the day
2: well thank you you know you guys are really the bright spot uh, for me they lock me in this room they shove food in under the door right i have no contact with other human beings until you guys call so this this is a pretty big deal for me
3: so we're wanting to do like more podcasts is that what you're telling us
2: uh yeah yeah, hey whatever i'm ready for whatever you guys need (laughs) you
3: you don't want contact
4: (laughs) with ron he's a little under the weather
2: oh oh yeah okay all right you're are you contagious uh, that remains to be seen. we're gonna find out I- I'll let you know in a few days
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so uh what Alrighty. you know when you when you hear the words Bristol Night Race what first
2: pops into mind? oh Bristol Night race craziness wild you know fantastic action all that sort of thing yeah it's it's still. Uh, you know, one of one of the uh, what do you want to say, e e-ticket ride, if you will, going back to the old days.
3: Walt well, Disney just
2: perked <laughs> up somewhere. <laughs> the lines are shorter though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lines are shorter. Yes, yeah, back when you could get into the park, uh, into Disney, without having to refinance the house. You know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Let's uh, let's set this up for you. The week before each episode, we put out the call for Junior Nation and Dirty Mo followers to take to our Twitter accounts at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio, and post with a hashtag back in the day and tagged with at Exalta. Of those, Buzz will represent one lucky fan and Beat the Buzzer against Steve and Ron. Ron. Uh, we're just going to start calling ourselves the winless duo. Or Why whatever. not? Why yeah. not? We never win. <laughs> hey, a, a name change might just turn our luck around.
4: So who are we playing for this week?
3: We are playing for a gentleman named Tom Henderson.
4: Okay.
2: Hey. That is real name. That that's, that sounds way too generic. No,
4: but I? Buzz, I I know a Tom Henderson. Yeah. I'm hoping it's not the same guy. Oh. If it is, it's just coincidence. Oh,
3: coincidental. Ah, I
2: guess. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, if Buzz gets him all right, he normally does. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful this time. Always hopeful. Yeah. yeah always hopeful. <laughs> um, that lucky fan who happens to be Tom Henderson, is randomly chosen, uh, he'll win a prize from either Dirty Mail Radio or Exalta. Cool. Natalie Sather, our uh, director here at uh, Dirty Mail Radio, is in charge of that, and hopefully uh, we'll get some feedback on all the fabulous prizes. I think one of them was a Maserati. No, it was not. Well, maybe it was a, a diecast. Maybe. My Maserati. diecast Maserati. <laughs> there you it go. was probably a Junior diecast. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I would yeah, think. Yeah. yeah. Well, a guy can hope, right? Yeah. So let's go, Buzz. Uh, get you got your whip and stick out uh, ready. Oh, buddy.
2: Yes, sir.
4: All right. Here we go. Question number one. Which driver, Buzz, has won the most times at Bristol? Oh,
2: okay. Let me see here. Mr. Bristol, I'm thinking it probably is. It's probably somebody that ran for Junior Johnson because Junior owned that place. Not so much as a driver, but as an owner. But, oh, my gosh. Um, I'm, I'm thinking probably big old DW. Yeah, you had to go deep for that one. I'm telling. I'm thinking. How many times? <laughs> How many wins? Uh, he won a, a cool dozen, not a baker's dozen, but a dozen. He's right again. Well, and that oh. only counts
3: as one, though.
4: Yeah, it still gets another ding. Right. Ding. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll be three dings or dingaling. Yeah. And if we say ding again, oh, that's that's four. That's four. Yeah. Right.
2: Okay. <laughs> All
3: right. Question number two. The largest margin of victory at Bristol Motor Speedway is 7.36 seconds. Who was the driver who won that
2: 1994 race? 1994. Let me see here. I'd be thinking it would be probably um, probably Dale Senior, I believe.
3: Yeah. All right. you want to do the ding or just let me? The ding just happened. The ding just happened? Yeah. Right. I yeah. forget. Oh, did it really? Okay. All right. We're
4: a bunch of ding-dongs.
3: Oh, <laughs> yeah. We're, we yeah. got our... The Ding Dongs got the ding wrong. Yes.
4: All right. Question number three. How many times has there only been one car on the lead lap at the end of a Bristol race? Wow. Do you understand that?
2: Yes. Yes, indeed. Like, like the winner would uh, finish on lead uh, on a lap by himself, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know that's that's pretty hard to do because the uh, the competition is so tough there and it has been over the years. I'm thinking, uh, how about if we say 22 times? How, how about that? Oh, oh come what? on. You couldn't have known that. Man, yeah. I had that <laughs> That question was sitting
3: in the mayonnaise jar on the back of Funkin' Wagnall's uh, porch uh, for a week, and you
2: got it still. Geez. Well, yeah, yeah, well, the deal is I know where that mayonnaise jar was. So oh. anyway, you know, I, I got to admit, I cheated on that one. So oh. let's give a big prize away. You got the old,
4: the old metal detector out. That's right.
2: <laughs> Tom Henderson is
3: now your new biggest fan, as are we. Oh, fantastic. So uh, you've told us what, uh, last couple of podcasts, you've told us what's going on at the Hall of Fame. You had a, uh, an unveil for, uh, for William Byron's uh, throwback for Darlington.
2: Yes, that was really, really something. Yeah, uh, that, that occurred last week, and uh, Mr. Hendrick and his wife Linda were here for the unveiling, as well as Jerry Falwell Jr., the president of uh, Liberty University, that sponsors William, and, and William is or was a, a student there. But uh, what they did was they had a, a throwback paint job to Ricky Hendrick's truck, and uh, Ricky did win a truck race, and they used that paint job on Williams' car for Darlington. And that was really, really, really cool. And then we had another one uh, recently of Corey LaJoy. And uh, Corey was here uh, to unveil his new paint job for Darlington. It was, a, it, of course, a Dr. Pepper uh, sponsored, but uh, it was uh, Davy Allison's old paint job going back to when he was running the Goodies Dash Series, which was a Toyota, huh. as is Corey's car. And a little extra added attraction, Uh, Bobby was there, uh, Davey's father, Bobby Allison, the racer, uh, to help unveil the car, along with uh, Larry Mack was the MC and uh, Randy LaJoy, Corey's dad, two-time Bush Series champ, was here, too. He's in the background, but he was still very entertaining, as he always is.
4: Right, right. Well, and of course, uh, William Byron has been named Casey
2: Kane's replacement in the five car. Isn't that amazing? Although the guy is just really on the fast track to superstardom, and you couldn't ask for a, a nicer guy, a, a great representative of the sport. Uh, I think you're going to be hearing about him for decades to come. And uh, well, I'll tell you what, we're uh, we're big fans of his. Actually, all the new guys coming up, we think it's it's tremendous. I think the future of the sport is pretty well intact with the uh, the quality of driver that's coming into the sport.
3: Well, cool. We, we look forward to having uh, William around um, quite a long time, and hopefully one day he'll be uh, enshrined somewhere there on Glory Road or, or up in the hall, uh, hall of Champions. You never
2: know. Well, what, what we ought to do is have um, radio podcast folks in there, too, you know, have a special category <laughs> you, know, so you see if we can get y'all's names on the list. What do you think? Is
4: it, I think in the cafeteria they could have a, a little table set aside. <laughs> <laughs> for radio podcast guys,
3: yeah, but make sure the buffet's open.
4: Yeah, that's why I say, you know, yes. wherever the yeah, food yeah. is, okay. you can put us.
2: Yeah. Yes, especially if it's free. Yeah, well, the, the the buffet would probably have to be Mexican, though, in that case. Yes, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yes, we are connoisseurs, kind of aren't we? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we are. Buzz,
3: you're you belong in the hall of fame as well, and that's uh, where he is. That's <laughs> right. well, he, he belongs there. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> and he should be inducted. All right. Instead of imprisoned, as he
2: yeah. as said in the open. <laughs> yeah, we'll the well, yeah, we'll <laughs> you. Well, yeah, That's right. Okay, we'll have a great uh, a great time with life. You know, I know life can be a challenge sometimes, but you guys got to handle it, don't you?
3: Yes, we have. We're holding on with, for dear life.
4: Yes, we are. <laughs> we're just we're clinging. We're clinging.
3: <laughs> All right. Okay. You take care, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Many thanks,
2: guys. Appreciate it.
3: That's it for this episode of Back in the Day. Thanks to Buzz McKim, our resident NASCAR guru, for playing along with us again. And keep an eye on at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio for the opportunity to play along. Remember,
4: history is made every day, so be a part of it with Back in the Day.
3: Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo
0: Radio.
1: If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must follow for any Dale Jr. fan.